0: Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. This morning, I have a question for you. I just want you to think about this for a little bit uh, as we prepare uh, to hear the Word of God this morning. If I were to ask you what's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? How would you respond? What's the most beautiful thing you have ever seen? Now, I've I've asked some of you over the week, and I asked the praise team on Thursday night, so I have their answers, Uh, but I want to hear from you. What is the most beautiful thing you've ever heard? Our Scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Acts. Now, you need to know that Acts is part of a two-volume work. Uh, it, It was written by Luke, and Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then he wrote a sequential volume called what we call the Acts of the Apostles. Now, the Acts of the Apostles is not the official name of the book. It's what we call the book. It was the second half of the Gospel of Luke. And so when you read that and you hear that, sometimes I think names get us in trouble. So you want to think about uh, this morning the book of Acts, and we're, we're going to spend some time uh, in the next few weeks looking at the book of Acts and highlighting some of the things uh, that God does in the book. And this morning we're going to run to chapter 3, and uh, we're, going to, we're going to hear a story about God doing a powerful work, and look for what's beautiful in it. In chapter 3, verse 1, we read, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk, taking him by the right hand. He helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God... They recognized Him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to Him. May God add God's blessing, the reading and hearing of this God's most holy Word. beautiful thing you've ever seen. And I'm going to have someone from each section respond. So somebody over here who's going to respond. What's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? The birth of a child. Oh yeah, incredible. Incredible thing. All right, how about over here? Double rainbows. Yeah, that's awesome, isn't it? To see God in, in, in the creation of the world. How about the balcony? There! All right, Ben! Count them points. Boy, they're going right up. <laughs> yeah, his wife. Yes, yes. I thought all, I, all the guys here were thinking that, ladies, just so you know. All the guys here were thinking that. They uh, just wanted to be... uh... What's that? (laughs) What about the bachelors? Well, they... They're thinking (laughs) it's future. (laughs) Okay, we're not going there. (laughs) Um, uh, What... this morning, I want us to think a little bit about acts of God. We're going to be talking about acts of God. And, and of course, you know, that's kind of in the front of our minds this morning. Uh, because of Hurricane Irma, we're, we're starting to think, and, and of course, in, in our in our world today, especially in our country, um, if something gets destroyed uh, in a natural disaster, we call it an act of God. Whether it's a tornado or a hurricane or an earthquake, any natural disaster, we tend to uh, point to God and say, well, that, that's an act of God. As a matter of fact, things we can't or won't control, we often attribute to God. That's an act of God, we say, Um, because we can't control it. Therefore, there's got to be something in control. So we, we tend to point to God and say, well, it must be then God. God is in control. Now, my fear is that that has taken us to a point where we have this distorted view of who God really is. We end up with this God who's a God out to destroy. A God out to to hurt and to injure and to to uh, to cause pain and suffering, and of course that's the exact opposite of the God that we see in the in the Scriptures. Think about it. I mean, the first thing we see about God is that he he comes upon the chaos of the world and he creates something beautiful. It, he comes in power not to destroy, but to create. And now some of you biblical scholars are sitting there, yeah, but pastor, you've got to remember the flood. Remember the flood. God destroyed the world in the flood. I want to suggest to you that God didn't destroy the world in the flood. God recreated the world through the flood. As a matter of fact, what He did by washing the world was to give the world a second chance. So it's really a recreative act more than a destructive act. And I would suggest to you that we, we present a, a distorted picture of God when we blame God for the disasters in our lives. Now I understand God is ultimately in control. But God's desire is to show you His love, His power, and His grace. And He's busy creating. He's the creative God, not the destructive God. And so, as we begin our look at the book of, uh, at the book of Acts, I hope you see that God is the creative God. And the most incredible thing that God has created, according to the Scriptures, the most incredible thing that God created is you and me. And and if you look at the human body and if you look at all that there is in you, man, you've got to admit, that's pretty incredible. And if you start thinking about your mind and how it works and all the synapses that currently are are busting through your head as you're beginning to think of all these things or not off to sleep, uh, all those things are changing in your head And they're causing you to think and to come up with ideas and to begin to create within your mind this, this vision, this image. I hope as we talk that you begin to see God in a new way. Because God has wonderfully and miraculously created you because He loves you. And so as we walk through the book of Acts, I want to look at Acts from a little different perspective. You know, traditionally, Acts has been called... The Acts of the Apostles. As a matter of fact, if you open your your scriptures and you go to to the title of the book of Acts, uh, it may it may even say the Acts of the Apostles. And in some ways, that makes sense because as you read through, you see well, you know, the apostle Paul did this, and the apostle Peter did this, and and the church of God did this, um, and somehow uh, we have placed upon the book, the title, and I want you to hear very clearly, we placed upon the book, the title, the Acts of the Apostles. In the, manu- in the original manuscripts, you would not read, oh, this is the book of the Acts of the Apostles. As a matter of fact, as I said earlier, it's a part of the book of Luke. So it doesn't have a title at all. And I want to suggest to you that we need to rethink this title. And we need to to think of this title not as the Acts of the Apostles, but rather as the Acts of God. You see, when we start calling it the Acts of the Apostles, we assume that the Apostles did all these things. But the truth of the matter is, it's the power of God at work within the Apostles that do all these things. Isn't that correct? You see, I want you to hear very clearly this morning that you are a part of the Acts of God. We could continue this book. You see, we get to the end of the Acts of the Apostles, uh, or the Acts, the book of Acts, or better yet, we get to the end of the written book of the Acts of God, and we could start adding your name and start sharing your story. Because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the power of the Almighty God dwells within you. And this morning you may be thinking, man, pastor, I'm worn out, and it's been a tough week, and I'm facing all kinds of difficulties and struggles, and I don't feel very powerful. That's because you're not, but God is, and He's within you, and it's in your weakness that He becomes strong. So all this is the introduction to let you know that we're going to talk about the acts of God. And hopefully you'll see God at work in your life. Now, God has made everything beautiful. And that's the act we want to look at this morning as God works in your life. Uh, This is so awesome to me. Ecclesiastes, the writer, writes, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And God has made everything beautiful. Now, I want you to think about that this morning because in our lives, we look at our lives and we frequently see the ugly. Um, this morning, uh, when I when I got up and and I listened to the voicemail on my phone and heard that, that Pastor Paul had died, my first thought is that's ugly. Uh, because it is. I mean, there are people who are hurting who loved Paul very much, who are now separated from him. But you see, God says He makes everything beautiful in His time. And what's beautiful is not that Paul died. What's beautiful is that Paul has eternal life, and someday it will be very beautiful because we'll join Him in glory if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. And so you see, even that becomes beautiful in its time. In its time, one of the problems we have as believers is sometimes we go to people who are grieving when we're not grieving and we say, well, yeah, but it's wonderful because now they're in glory and they look at you and they say, but they're not here because you see, they're still dealing with the ugliness of the moment. It's not time yet, but in its time, God will even take death and make it beautiful We serve a God who is all about beauty this morning. And so we want to think, what is beautiful? And as believers, we need to be looking for what is beautiful and realizing that even what is ugly, God is transforming. So in our Scripture this morning, we come to a a place that's really kind of ugly in one sense, but beautiful in another. Did you notice that? Uh, you see, we, we come to this temple gate. And, and I just want to be clear about something in case some of you will go home and spend you know, a couple hours researching this. I know some of you do that. Um, uh, w- when you get to the temple, this is just a picture of the temple. I, took th- I, I put this picture up because we don't know which gate was the gate called beautiful. And there's a whole lot of discussion about which gate is the gate called beautiful. To me, it doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is that the temple was built and in Herod's time, it was in increased in beauty and in size. Herod had incredible ideas of how the temple should be uh, built and set up on the hill so that everybody could see it. Of course, Herod wanted everybody to see it because they wanted him to say, isn't Herod great? He made this. And Herod spent... Uh, just uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and uh, not dollars, but shekels, um, and, and, and hundreds of thousands of man hours uh, to create um, and recreate, I should say, and improve the temple. Spent all that money, lots and lots of money to make it Beautiful. And, and it was. And there were many gates, by the way, that were beautiful. And probably the gate that the, the beggar sat at was one of the most beautiful gates in the temple. And there had been hundreds of thousands of, of shekels spent upon making it all beautiful. Listen very carefully. Lots and lots of money to make it seem incredible. <coughs> and yet in front of it sits a man who doesn't have enough to live. Who has to beg to get anything. They spent all this money making an a, a, a edifice. Beautiful. Trying to glorify God. And they left the poor beggar by the front gate without enough to live. And so, those who came by would look at the gate and say, that's beautiful. They'd walk right by the beggar. For whom, I guess, the beauty was missed. Because he was struggling just to survive. It amazes me in our world that when we look at our man-made things, it always costs a lot. And we look at it and we say, isn't that beautiful? when we miss those who are in need all around us. Uh, our world has it confused. They keep saying if you had enough money, you would be happy. If you had enough money, you could be beautiful. If you had enough money, you could get that tummy tuck and that, that, that uh, facelift and uh, new eyebrows and, and new teeth. And If you had enough money, you see, You could make it all beautiful. You could have the beautiful house and the beautiful car if you had enough, you see. And so there are people who can't afford to eat who make their way to Erie to the casino with the hope that maybe if I got enough money, I would feel satisfied, important, good enough. And here's this man sitting by the gate called Beautiful, begging, I need money, help me, help me. And people walked by and walked into the beautiful temple, missing the beauty that was right before them. Peter and John, however, they don't miss it. You see, this man was hoping. Hoping that that someone would hear. And and you can almost hear the lack of hope. Did did you read it carefully? You can almost hear the lack of hope. Because what's he do? He's calling out to those who are walking in. But he hasn't even really looked at Peter and John. He saw people and he starts to beg. He didn't even see Peter and John. Peter has to say, look at us! Hey, Over here! He is looking down most likely. Calling out, hoping someone would put something in that cup so that he could survive another day. Peter and John step in. And and, and I love what Peter says. I don't have silver. And I don't have gold. You forget, the, the disciples, the early disciples were poor. They didn't have a whole lot. They didn't have, uh, physically, they didn't have a whole lot that the world would say was important. But he says, what I have, I give you. When he says, look at me, all of a sudden you can see the man looks up. And and the scripture says, did you catch that in verse 5? So the man gave them his attention, expecting something from them. And of course, he's expecting something. A shekel. Half a shekel. Quarter of a shekel. Just a little something. Maybe a, a, a crumb of bread. And Peter and John look at him. They don't have all the silver and gold. They don't have those resources. They're on their way to do what? Did you catch what they were on their way to do? They're on their way to pray. Because you see, they're not putting their hope in money. They don't put their hope in the beautiful temple. They don't put their hope in the things they have. They put their hope in the Lord Jesus Christ who has the power to change lives. And they look at this man and they see beauty where no one else saw beauty. Everyone else walking by. But Peter and John, they look and they see something. They see beauty beauty that's lost under a cloak of neediness beauty that's lost under a cloak of physical disabilities and you see those who are human and have spent time making things beautiful trying to make things beautiful in their own lives by what they have they miss the beauty that was sitting in front of the beautiful gate. And they pass by. You see, there's a problem with human-made beauty. Human-made beauty, it, it always falls short. Did you ever notice that? It always falls short. It costs lots of money, but it always falls short. We try to make ourselves beautiful. We try to make our houses beautiful. We try to make our cars beautiful. We try to make our churches beautiful. We try to make everything beautiful, and we throw money at it. And if you look closely at it, the teeth are still a little crooked, and the hair is still a little gray. I know you put a lot of dye in that stuff, and you still walk with a limp, or you speak with a lisp. Or you still don't say it right, don't look right, don't speak right. Your house still has problems. I know all you have to do is own a house for more than 20 seconds and you realize that it doesn't matter how much money you throw into this thing, there's still gonna be a problem. And your car, you bought the best, most beautiful car you could afford. And you drive it once and now it's full of garbage. Because you stopped at McDonald's on the way. You couldn't afford anywhere else because you bought the car. Now there's that trash that you gotta clean out. And before long, they've put tar and chip on your road, and there are dings in the side of it, and and it wastes away. You see, human-made beauty is temporary at best and never the perfection that God had created, but what's awesome is we serve a God who creates beautiful things, doesn't he i I am always amazed at all uh, some of you mentioned like the double rainbow and uh, the beauty of God's creation is just incredible um the sunsets that you sometimes see or the sunrise that a few of you see um or or <laughs> sorry. I had to say it. <laughs> uh, or, or the waterfalls or the woods or, or, or the beauty that God has created, even in your front yard. Uh, even a dandelion is awesome, isn't it? I, I hear Paul likes to eat them when they're uh, fuzzies. Um, that's what I hear. Um, but, but a dandelion is beautiful. And, and, and we call it a weed, What God has created is so awesome. And of course, when you think back to the Garden of Eden, how how incredible that was. Everything was perfect, and it must have been incredibly beautiful because you look at what's out there now, and it's so incredibly beautiful now. What must it have been like when it was all perfect? And then you think of the human beings God created and how beautiful they must have been and how incredible it must have been. God's creation is awesome. And beautiful. But you and I both know what happened. Because in the midst of that beauty, something horrible took place. You see, as perfect as it was, God gave human beings a choice, and He gave them that choice because He knew if we were going to love Him, we had to have a choice. You see, love requires a choice, doesn't it? If I make you love me, you don't really love me. But if I give you a choice and you choose to love me, then you love me. So God gave human beings a choice, and because they had a choice, there were some, in particular those first human beings, and every one since outside of Jesus Christ, decided to choose a different path. And because of that, we see the mar that has happened and some of the beauty that God has created has become, well, quite frankly, ugly. This is a hard picture for me. I don't know about you. That's a hard picture. That's ugly. That's ugly. That's what has happened to human beings. And you know what's worse? What's worse than that is that we've made ourselves ugly. You see, when we decided to love ourselves rather than God, we became broken. And that brokenness shows up in ugliness all over the place, doesn't it? Nobody here can tell me that they have no one that they haven't ever had a problem with or a broken relationship with. You can tell me, but I won't believe you. We've all had relationships that have gone south. And you'll say, well, it wasn't my fault. Well, maybe, I'm not here to judge you, but I will say this. I know that somewhere deep inside of you, you have at times chosen what you think is best for you. And not necessarily what God would have you do. We call it sin. It's a a religious word. But the truth of the matter is it's a brokenness and it's ugly. You see, God's desire was for us to have right relationships with Him and with each other. He loves us so much. He wanted us to love Him, and in that love, to love one another unconditionally. One of the neatest things about the the car show was people came, and they wanted to know where they had to give their money. Now, every sign said, free. Every sign said, free. And they came, and they said, okay, where's the, the jug for the donations? They went to get food. They thought they had to buy food. You see, they thought we were all about the money. Somehow the church has been labeled as all about the money. And they were amazed. What do you mean? And and Ron told them, yeah, and even Sunday morning's free. You don't have to give then either. (laughs) Because you see, that's the kind of God we serve. A God who wants us to have unconditional love. Our love isn't based on them. Our love is based on Jesus. And that's the kind of love that Peter and John had for this beggar. They saw this beggar, and they saw this beggar as someone God loves. (coughs) And so in the power of God, they wanted to see him changed. They wanted to see that life-transforming change. You see, God has offered us beauty for our stinking, ugly ashes. What's amazing is he, he created us out of the dust of the earth. Do, do you remember that? We're, you're all dirty. He created you out of the dust of the earth, but He created you perfect. And you somehow screwed that up. And so someday you're going to die, and you're going to be ashes. Well, especially if you're going to be cremated. If, oh, Kenny, you're so uplifting. <laughs> be sooner rather than later, Kenny. said. <laughs> Kenny, uh, what's exciting is that Jesus has offered us beauty for ashes. Uh, God, God shared with us that this was going to happen. You see, he said, uh, those who grieve in Zion, uh, they will be bestowed upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of what? His splendor. Yes, you see what God has done is he has begun to transform us, to take us from our ugliness unto his beauty what he created us to be in the first place. And if you open your heart to him, if you say yes to him, if you turn your eyes to him like the beggar did to Peter and John, I don't have silver and I don't have gold, but I'll tell you what I have. I have the love of the Lord Jesus, which can transform your life and make you beautiful. And you have screwed it up. I've screwed it up, but Jesus came and died so that He could transform our lives and make us beautiful. It's awesome. You awesome, there? Right? OK, I know it's early in the morning, but that's the most exciting thing that we have to share. It's incredible. I, I, I heard this story this week. Uh, a guy named uh, Rick. I think his name is, It's G-U-I-D-O-T-T-I. He's a photographer. He has photographed some of the most incredible, beautiful human beings that our world would say is beautiful. And he he uh, took many, many photos. He's, he's photographed for Elle and for um, you know, all the major uh, fashion magazines. And one day he said he was walking down the street and he saw this beautiful 12-year-old girl. She was gorgeous. She had pure white skin and white hair and these incredible blue eyes that stuck right out. And he thought she was beautiful. And she walked with her head down and walked off quickly as he tried to get her attention. And so he began to to try to find out what kind of a what kind of a person this was that would have that kind of skin and that kind of hair, and he realized that she was an albino. And so he called up the National Organization of uh, uh, Albino Support Groups, uh, is what it is. I, I, I don't have all the name right. but it, it, and, and he said, I would like to photograph some people who, who, who are albinos because I think they're beautiful. And they originally said, no, because they said, we we don't want our people to be exploited anymore. They said, you don't understand. People who are albino, as kids, are often made fun of and often seen as different and often pushed aside. And frequently, um, they're beat up and, and pushed aside and made fun of because they look differently. He says, but you don't understand. I think they're beautiful. And so they finally came to an agreement. And his first subject came in. And he said she came in. She had her head down. She wouldn't even look at him. And he said she was beautiful. And he said, I was looking at her. I couldn't wait to take pictures because that's what I do. I take pictures of beautiful people. He said, I, I couldn't wait. And she was downcast. She wouldn't even look at him. She hardly would speak to him. He said, how am I going to draw her out? And he decided, I know, I'm going to treat her just like I do those supermodels that I take pictures of. So he turned on the music and turned on the wind machine, the whole bit, and got her to get, uh, to stand in front of the camera. And he said, you are the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And her head came up and he started to take pictures. And there she is. And he said when she walked out of there, she was a different lady. Because you see, she had someone look at her and see the beauty on the outside of her. And because of that, she went back to the school that she was attending, the college that she was attending, and she began to share with people that she was going to be on the front cover of a major fashion magazine. Now, I want you to think about that a minute, because all he did was look at her outside and see the beauty on the outside. And I don't know how long that changed her, but my guess is there were times after that that people once again made fun of her. And my guess is there were times when she found it difficult and where people would ostracize her. And my prayer is that someday she would find the beauty that's inside of her that someone would be willing to share with her how beautiful she is on the inside when she opens her life to Jesus Christ. Because you see, the most beautiful thing in the world is not what's on the outside. And it's not human beings, or I'm sorry, it's not human-made beauty. The most beautiful thing in the world is a life that's transformed by Jesus Christ. Because you see, then all the ugliness is forgiven. And the grace begins to flow. And the confidence begins to step forward. And you see, God begins to heal them. Heal us in a miraculous and powerful way. And one of the problems we have is we forget that. That Jesus has stepped into our lives. And He has taken our ugliness. And He has made us beautiful. You all are beautiful. Because Jesus is at work in your life. And you know what? You are now agents of beauty. Think about that. You are a, God is now using you to reach out to those who feel ugly and downtrodden, who feel ostracized, who feel like God doesn't care. And you have an opportunity to say, not only does God care, God loves you. And we love you too. Look out, God wants to change you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I say stand up and walk. And he grabs a man by the hand. I wish I were there. Do you understand what's going on in this man's life? He's never walked. It says he was crippled from birth. He's never walked in his life. He watched other people walk. He's never walked in his life. Paul takes hold of his hand, helps him up. And if you read it carefully, it's kind of awesome because he helps him up and then the man starts jumping. (laughs) This is too awesome. Because, you see, God is changing him. Not so much on the outside as on the inside. You see, God gives us that opportunity to be agents of change. To bring God's healing love to the brokenness in our relationships and in the relationships of others. To bring God's healing love to the brokenness of sin that separates us from God. And that causes us to look at God as a destructive God rather than a God who loves us and cares for us and wants to heal us. And this morning, the power of that awesome God is right here. And He wants to heal you of that brokenness. He wants to step into your life and trade that, those ashes of broken ugliness for beauty. He's waiting for you to say yes. You see, God's beauty is a transformed life. And what's awesome is we get to walk around and see God do that in our neighbor's And in God's neighborhood, everywhere we go, as He works in and through us. Now, sometimes we don't see the transformation at that moment. Sometimes it takes years. But as we plant those seeds and pray for those and encourage them and love them and call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in that situation, we believe that God hears and God answers because God loves us and God has a creative plan for their life and for our lives. That's awesome. So how do you respond to that? I love what it says. Uh, They go into church, and people are amazed and have wonder. Wow. Look at that. Now, beforehand, they were amazed at the building. But now, all of a sudden, they're amazed. Can God really do that? I love it. If you read on, you'll find out that Peter begins his sermon by saying, why are you surprised? I always say that when God answers prayer. We, we prayed for uh, Larry Haynes a couple weeks ago. Uh, God answered that prayer. There's no cancer there. We praise God for that. We didn't mention that during our prayer time, but I want to share that with you. That, that's pretty awesome. God heard that prayer. And and when, whenever God answers prayer, I frequently stop and say, wow. Wow, God, you, you really heard and answered that prayer. I keep kicking myself for doing that. Why am I surprised when God answers prayer? Why is it that we live life not expecting God to answer our prayers? Peter and John believe that God, Jesus could do incredible things. What about you? Are you surprised when God does incredible things? Or are you like... Yeah, I knew God could do it. I hope and pray that you would begin to see God in the intricacies of life. But more importantly, that you would see God in a transformed life. I get so excited when somebody says yes to Jesus. Because I know that in that moment, their life is different for the rest of eternity. And I know that it's a difficult choice to make sometimes because they see the ugliness, and I see the ugliness in me. And it's hard to see that God would do something so beautiful. But when He does, I can't help but celebrate. What about you? You know, that's one of the reasons we come here. Do do you forget that? We come to celebrate. When when we were in Livermore Falls, we had a Catholic organist, and um, when, when she first came, uh, we, we would take communion, and she'd play this upbeat, la, 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 and we're like, what are you doing? I mean, this is a solemn time for us to remember the death of the Lord and Jesus Christ, and she said, I'm Catholic, that's the way we do it in the Catholic Church, I said, what? Yeah, we celebrate the Mass, Oh, yeah! Because you see, Jesus didn't just die, He rose again. Jesus didn't just die and sit in the tomb. Jesus came out alive. Jesus didn't just die in a hopeless case where He was being controlled by other human beings. Jesus died with the purpose that we could be forgiven. Yes, the communion service, although it looks and it reminds me of my ugliness, it also reminds me of the beauty of God revealed in a transformed life. You see, we can be surprised by God's beauty. I hope you see that God wants to create beauty in your life. And if you're facing some ugliness now, I encourage you to maybe come up at the end of the service and let us pray with you. Stand with you. People who believe that God is the Almighty God and that He can change things. This morning, if you're looking at the ugliness in your own life and saying, how could God love me? I want you to know that God loves you so much that He allowed Jesus, His Son, to die for you so that you could be forgiven and that your life could become beautiful. Maybe you're looking at some of your relationships and saying, man, this is pretty ugly. Of course, it's their fault. But let me suggest to you that maybe God has you in that relationship to bring beauty where there's only ugliness. And you can do that by bringing the love of Jesus, the name and the power of the Almighty God. You see, you can be an agent of beauty. God's act of beauty created through you in somebody else's life. Our God's a God of beauty, not of ugliness. In His time, He's making everything beautiful. Even you. Even me. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, this morning, we come recognizing that we've made a mess of things. Uh, some, some things this week, Lord, that we thought, we thought should go differently or we got caught up in our own stuff. This morning, Lord Jesus, we ask You to forgive us that you would begin to transform even that ugliness into your beauty. Transform us, Lord Jesus, that your beauty might be alive in us, that others would see how beautiful you are and be drawn to the beauty that you offer them. Thank you for our beautiful brothers and sisters who have gathered this morning. We pray, Father, that you'd step into their ugliness and transform those places with your love. Come, Lord Jesus, we put our trust in You, and we respond to Your love and Your grace and Your beauty by being agents of Your beauty. We stand before You and give our lives for You. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.